Hello and welcome to episode 422. Today's episode is going to be one of those um, listener questions uh, that we've gotten from the guys and girls at floramichaels.com. For those of you who are listening to the show for the first time, it's um, it's a website, general purpose website, uh, has um, lots of cool stuff, not just business and politics related, but um, other topics as well. Also a little bit of uh, fiction, things like that. So it's, um, it's a nice multi-purpose place if you're a reader, if you're one of those reading types. It's not a bad place to hang out over on the internet. Now, we have people um, over there who've been following the content who send in questions every now and then. And so um, I thought that rather than just um, write um, a response, um, how about make a podcast recording as well? Because not everybody is a, um, what's the word? You know, people who like to read. I can't remember the word anyway. So some people are um, audio, some people are uh, visual, some people are tactile. So why not uh, put this out in different um, formats as possible? So uh, the article has been sent in. But for the purpose of uh, those of you who are not subscribed to um, floramichaels.com, or rather who don't visit uh, the website, I figured let's... Um, have a recording and hash out the question over here as well since a lot of the questions that we receive on that end um, even though um, the person who sent in the first uh, couple of questions is more of a legal and tech related person uh, I figure that it applies to um, those of us in other businesses in a general sense because remember like I like to say that the principles of um, business and sales and marketing are universal so the application of these principles will change um, every now and then, uh, depending on the time and the context, but the principles are universal. And so we're going to talk about one of those ones that everyone can relate to, especially of those of us who are in the wedding and the event space. So today's question is, how can you break up with a troublesome customer? Now, like I said, most of us have thought about this and had to comp uh, contemplate these kinds of scenarios at one time or another. And that's because... Troublesome customers really drain our time, they drain our money that we could be putting towards other customers and other opportunities, other things that could be bringing in more money. So it's something that we can relate to, um, whether you're a lawyer, um, a tech person, um, a doctor, or a wedding photographer or a wedding um, planner. So if you've had the presence of mind to ask these sorts of questions, then you're on the right path because there are some people who haven't quite figured out that it doesn't make sense to keep flushing time and attention down some paths that we might as well try to figure out how to cut our losses and run. So if you're thinking about it, then um, you're on the right path because we all have to look for um, ways to optimize our time, optimize our money, optimize our effort, optimize um, our attention. Now, before we go straight to tackling the questions, um, there are a couple of assumptions here that I would like us to tackle that are kind of buried in the question. Now, one of them is the uh, is that the question assumes that we are in a relationship with our customers. So, is that the case? Are we indeed, do we indeed enter into business relationships with people that we do business with? Now, the answer is yes, because um, as uh, business owners, business people, self-employed people, um, hustlers, whatever it is you want to call ourselves, we can't get the maximum value out of a given context unless we can bank on repeat business and referrals from our customers. So no repeat business, no referrals, then ultimately over time, no business. 
So um, to do this, we have to maintain some sort of a relationship. Some people like to keep it formal. Some people like to keep it strictly business. Some people like to keep it different shades of informal or casual or personal or whatever. But the thing is we have to maintain some semblance of a relationship because, um, remember, ultimately we're looking for repeat business and referrals from our customers. If we don't have that, then we're waking up every day uh, trying to reinvent the wheel, trying to go and look for a new uh, person to hustle, and uh, it doesn't work out well um, over the long uh, term. So uh, in the optimal sense, we need repeat business, we need referrals, and that's the reason why I have the views that I have, that I've expressed on this podcast, that we can't keep saying that weddings are one and done, and sometimes we ought to have a flexible um, way that we interpret business opportunities so that, uh, yes, primarily you could be a wedding photographer, but maybe you're open to other kinds of um, photography, uh, like corporate, for instance, like which is I, um, what I do, one of the avenues that I explore. And the same with wedding planners um, as well. So, yes, primarily you love weddings, but if your bride calls you up to say, hey, how far we're having this um, event at the office, uh, can you help us out? I think you should be open to um, doing that. Um, we're trying to maximize the customer lifetime value um yeah so anyway that's uh that's that about that no need to repeat that if this is your first time of listening to the podcast and you haven't been exposed to these sorts of ideas before after listening to this um scroll down search you will see something that has customer lifetime value um in the subject heading or anything that has relationship in the subject heading and you will have some more of these um ideas uh, explored in much more uh detail so, um, oh yeah, so as I was saying, we have to maintain some sort of um, relationship. And uh, because it's when we have a relationship that we are top of mind and we're relevant and cordial enough to ask for repeat business, we have to remain top of mind because people have to remember us. So if you did a wow job and um, they love what you, what you did and the wedding album was really solid and, you know, they love it. But the thing is, the album is in the bedroom and when that time comes that they need to make a quick call or refer you to someone else they can't quite remember like oh what was that guy's name yeah i know that uh, his name and phone number is at the back of the uh, photo book but what's his name uh what's the business name what should i google what should i search so these are the reasons why we have to uh, look for ways to remain uh, top of mind and relevant so that when opportunities arise people don't have to think too hard to remember oh that guy kunle yeah solid wedding photographer or or that girl kemi um or khadijat you know solid planner uh you just whip out her phone number and uh, make the connection so we have to keep top of mind we have to be relevant and we have to be cordial enough so we can ask for repeat business uh, and referrals because if you don't have any cordial uh, relationship with them and you're not asking them uh, for repeat business uh, when are we going to see you again uh, who else do you know that is planning this or this or that who could use the services for xyz it will be um that's going to be awkward if you haven't established some sort of rapport and some sort of a relationship so these things are um important so whether we like it or not whether we realize it or not even if we insist that we're not in a relationship with the customer eventually a relationship is going to be the most profitable configuration that we can get when we're running a business so let's start putting our minds um, attuned to that reality so when we close the deal we actually open a relationship with a customer that's another old um, sales aphorism so remember that when we close the deal we actually open a relationship with the customer 
Now, um, how do we know that the customer has become troublesome and can customers indeed become troublesome? So let's devote some time to that um, train of thought. Now, um, it's not purely a matter of um, how much animosity we have towards each other. That's not what determines whether the person is a troublesome customer. It's not because you wake up first thing in the morning and you just think, I hate her guts, I hate his guts. That's not exactly what makes the person um, troublesome. Uh, it's not just feelings because there are some objective criteria, there are some objective things that we can look to to assess whether we have a troublesome customer or, uh, you know, when we're trying to figure out who is troublesome from who is not. Now, being troublesome or being quarrelsome depends on the level of time, the level of attention or the level of effort that you have to put in to service the customer and to maintain the relationship, especially when you compare it to other customers that you have. So that is the key um, that is the key um, criteria. So it's not just about the animosity. It's not just that you wake up and you think, I can't stand his guts. I hate her guts. That's it's not enough. The level of time, attention and effort that you're using, putting into to service the relationship, to maintain the relationship, to fulfill orders, has to be over and above what you're doing for other customers. Now, this is why it's important. Um, there are some businesses that have, um, or let's say, quarrelsome customers, or rather customers that raise their voice at you. It's, there are some businesses where that's the default. So, for instance, if you're a cattle rancher or you're a commodities trader, that one is standard. You know, customers are going to raise their voices at you every day. But that's not enough to say that all the people that you're dealing with are quarrelsome. You know, that's the reason why I say it's not the animosity. You have to think how much time, how much effort, how much money is going into servicing this customer, fulfilling their order, obtaining, uh, um, trying to obtain their business. Those are the things that you should um, look at. So the troublesome customer is not the person who raises his voice the most. Uh, but the person who requires too much maintenance, as in those people are really high maintenance when it comes to getting the business, uh, when it comes to keeping the relationship going, when it comes to keeping them happy, and uh, most importantly, when you are trying to keep things profitable for you, because some people suck all the air out, all the emotions out, and they also suck all the profits out of the business. So some customers might be cut or abrasive, but apart from that, business with them is swift, business is prompt, business is profitable, in that sense, will you call them a troublesome customer, even though they are abrasive? In fact, I think that's kind of the client that my wife um, likes. You know, when I meet those people who say, oh, good morning, young man, how are you? Uh, the dates are November 15th, November 16th. Um, are you available? Um, how much? Uh, okay, look, um, I'm not going to do this unless you give me a, a, a discount. So how much is the discount? Uh, okay, sir, I'll give you uh, 6%. Okay, no problem. What's your account number? And then they pay promptly. So those are the kind of people that my wife likes, as in no chit-chat, no Giorgio, we're not friendly, we're not nothing, this is it, pay me my money and uh, be on the way, as in no no faffing about. Now, I admit it's nice to deal with those kinds of people, the cotton abrasive ones, um, but um, because... Well, because I can be kind of chatty in a business context, and I'm also trying to bring people back into the loop for um, future opportunities. So if the people are um, abrasive, then that's kind of hard to do. But I must admit, it's really nice when um, you head into a situation, people don't ask you too many questions, they don't give you too much headache. If you say that your money is 500k, if their pricing is not ground not, because maybe they might go from 500 to, uh, I don't know, 480 or whatever, and then they pay you in full, and then there's no quarrel, there's no excuse, there's no, you didn't Photoshop this principle, uh, you didn't Photoshop this uh, pimple on my forehead, 
or, or you know, you didn't do this, or let's say you're a wedding planner and say, oh, you didn't acknowledge my, my uncle was not acknowledged by the MC, and then blah, 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 and then all these uh, quarrels that ensue. Um, so, yeah, it's nice dealing with those sorts of people. And that's my wife's uh, preferred customer. Show up. We don't have to be friends. Give me my money. Bye-bye. And also my video guy, Shogun, those are his favorite kind of people too. So, I don't think we can call those people uh, troublesome customers. Now, there are other customers, on the other hand, that are very good Christians, Bible-believing, you know that they go to church every Sunday. But the thing is, every time you interact with them, they're kind of passive-aggressive. And then they pay their bills really late. You guys agreed that the money should come in February 15th. You know, now it's uh, March 7th. They still haven't paid. And then on top of that, the margin that you're making on them is only 0.5% or something. Even though for other people, you like to capture maybe 30% profit margins on the money that you drop. Then they always want some, some. They always want to return something. You didn't do this well. Let me return this. Let us replace this. You have to reimburse me for this. They call today. It's this. They call today. It's that. You know, blah 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 blah. But the thing is, those people, good Christians, always smiling, uh, always polite, never raise their voice. Now, between these two things that are pointed out, who do you think is the troublesome customer? So I'll leave you guys to think about that. So it's not an emotional thing, but there are objective criteria that you can uh, use. And uh, yeah, so there can be all kinds of situations. Sometimes there's an open customer service issue uh, that is ongoing and it doesn't look as if this thing is going to be resolved anytime soon. Sometimes the customer is being verbally abusive to your staff. Um, like I've had that one where there was a guy that was really talking down to my uh, photographer. So I had to handle um, both of them separately. And, you know, because I had to tell the groom, like, hey, guy, you know, like, these are my associates. You know, you don't talk to them like that. You know, and uh, also I had to talk to the photographer later on that, uh, hey, look, dude, people are only going to um, respect you according to the esteem that you have of yourself. So it doesn't matter, you know, how much money these people have or how much they're paying us. In a cultural sense and in a very human sense where they're equal, you know, so, yeah, they have more money than us, but that doesn't mean they can't talk to us anyhow. So you show up, you know, you be professional, you know, stuff like that, but you don't let people uh, hose you down. You don't let people talk to you down anyhow. And if anything happens, you know, you speak to me, let's nip it in the bud. Because if we don't, it's going to create problems for us um, in the future. So, yeah, there are those people that are um, verbally abusive to staff and your associates. So, uh, let's see, what else? Okay, yeah, customization. Sometimes some people expect so much cus uh, customization that your margins are going to be cut. So, you already agreed there was going to be three frames. But then they make such of a hassle, so much of a big deal that, okay, you're now squeezing the third frame. Or you're now squeezing uh, a pre-wedding shoot. Or you squeeze in... Um, extra, um, uh, what's it called, advanced editing, or you squeeze in this, you squeeze in that, and before you know it, your margins are just being cut and cut and cut and cut and cut. So these are all the objective things that you have to pay attention to when you're trying to decide if someone is a quarrelsome customer um, or not. So it's not emotions and it's not just um, uh, personality. So um, if we're not going to look at just on how good, if we're only going to look at how good or bad they make us feel, then we don't have any clear basis for deciding, uh, is this person difficult? When are we going to cut the cord? How do we do it? What kind of business policies do we have to come up with to prevent this thing from recurring? So that's the reason why we have to make it objective, because if it's on based on what you feel, then it's possible that you might be very uh, feely or maybe a little raw or emotionally... Uh, sensitive in year one, two, and three of the business. But then by the time you get to year four, five, six, you have a tough emotional hide, and so it's not a big deal. But let's just look towards um, objective factors. So 
Now that we know who a difficult customer is, another question I think we should tackle, that a lot of us don't tackle, is to figure out why or how a difficult customer is created. Now that's the important question because we don't just need to know who it is, who a difficult customer is, but how they come about. Because if we know how they come about, then we can take steps to make sure that we either avoid them or we don't create them ourselves. Because I find too many people in this space, in the wedding and the event space, um, they just like, oh, this bride is unserious, this groom is this, uh, don't mind them, they're stupid, they're blah, 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 blah. But you don't quite figure out that every single year you seem to be having a high ratio of all these unserious or stupid or whatever people. I mean, it's possible that the problem is you and the problem is not them. So difficult customers are created sometimes because people can be nasty and people can be narcissistic. Yeah, I've mentioned it there. All these people that don't have home training. There's absolutely nothing we can do about those people. And that's why I'm not going to talk about them. Because uh, we can't do anything about how people are born. We can't do anything about how people are parented or how entitled uh, people feel. But there is a second uh, category of difficult customers that we can do something about. And um, this is the this second class is more likely the kind of difficult customers that all of us um, face, most of us face. Uh, so difficult customers are created because there was a difference or there was a shortcoming in expectations. So customers definitely will get difficult, especially when they put hundreds of naira, sorry, sorry, hundreds of thousands of naira on the line, when they thought they were promised one thing and it looks like they're getting another or friction enters the relationship because the vendor thought he was clear on what he said. So as a wedding planner, uh, let's say Kemi Wedding Planners, LLC, she, she thought she was extremely clear on what it is that she promised. But then it looks like the customer is, the client is forcing her to go over and beyond what it is that was agreed to. And these are how difficult uh, customers are created because of our difference in short, uh, sorry, difference in expectations, shortcomings, expectations, um, you know, differences in how we understood the situation. So that this is actually um, going to be a large, uh, the majority of difficult customers we face are going to be in this category. Not all those um, children that don't have home training. It's actually when we have uh, difficult um, uh, how do I put it? Difference in expectations. Or oh, for those of you, my listeners, who are not Nigerian, in this part of the world, when we say people lack home training, we mean that they were not parented properly. And so because of that, they're um, impolite, uh, rude, uh, let's see, what else? So that's what uh, people, when you say someone lacks home training, that's what we mean in Nigeria. Uh, you're just a spoiled twat, basically. Ah, uh, where was I? Hmm. Oh yeah, so the differences in expectations, that's what causes the difficult um, customers. So in other words, uh, when we have difficult customers, a lot of times it's because the expectations were not clearly set from the beginning. So if we get better at setting expectations, then all these incidences of difficult customers are going to drastically reduce. Now, how do we set expectations the right way? Well, first of all, we have to be sure that we understand what the client needs in the first place. That's the reason why all that jazz that I say over here on the podcast uh, when we talk about having a qualifications process um, as part of your sales framework, and of course, qualifications is making sure that you understand who this person is, what they want, what are they aiming towards, are the expectations around money the same, are the expectations around delivery the same, expectations around quality. Like we have to ask all these questions. If you don't qualify, then you're making this thing um, um, uh, hit and miss. So... Uh, so before we set expectations, we have to be sure we understand what it is that they need, 
who they are, what is that they're looking for. So it's not just enough to draw up a list of everything they want and what they need. We also have to get feedback from them to be sure that we understood it the right way. Because sometimes you can list out everything ABC uh, correctly, but if you dig a little deeper, you see that you guys understood things um, slightly different. Now, it's in those cases that you run through implications of all the things that you guys have spoken about so that they are sure that they are okay with um, uh, possible um, outcomes. Like for those of you who provide lighting, for instance, uh, the bride comes and she meets you guys and she insists it must only be this kind of light or this kind of light or this kind of light. Let's say like um, hot lights, for instance. So I know hot lights. These are orange lights that glow because she wants the the whole wedding hall to glow like the sun or something. So is this is at that point where you run through all the possible implications. Like, okay, uh, okay, madam, sure, no problem. We can hook you up with these lights, but I'm sure you know. The reason why we use the other kinds of lights are because those lights are a whole lot cooler and with the way that uh, vendors, sorry, uh, wedding halls run their AC or the way that they don't run their AC, rather, the hall could be really hot and uncomfortable. I mean, it might look nice, but everybody might be uncomfortable. So you talk through all these things. Rather than going through, you provide those golden hot lights because they insisted and then later on they say that you're a fraud because, you know, you gave them lights that made the wedding reception um, uncomfortable. So you are the professional. You have all the technical knowledge. You, the wedding planner, you, the lighting person, the photographer, the videographer, the architect, the solar panel person, run through all these possible uh, implications, all these possible outcomes. And let's be sure that we're very clear um, about, um, about everything because you're the professional. You're the one that knows what's workable what is not workable, what has pitfalls, what advan what has advantages, you know, things like that. So now back to figuring out their needs. Now we figure out their needs by asking them open-ended uh, questions. So just basic stuff that we've already talked about um, in the podcast before. So if this is your first time listening, um, look to the old episodes that have qualifications in their heading. Qualifications spelled the normal way or anything that has um, need uh, in the heading and you should have these things explored in much more detail especially a series i did of maybe about 10 recordings or so 8 to 10 recordings that was about qualifications frameworks so old um, time-tested frameworks that you can have at the back of your mind for trying to figure out these things who is this person what it is that they want can i fulfill this um, you know stuff like that so the open-ended questions how can i help you today that's a classic uh, why have you decided to explore XYZ now, like with the lighting thing? If in the beginning you guys were talking about normal lights, but now she's talking gold lights and everything, you need to ask her, you know, why are you exploring this? It's possible that when you get to the root of the matter, you might find something else that will have the desired effect without the shortcomings that we just explored on the podcast. So what kind of results are you looking for by, you know, uh, using XYZ, contemplating XYZ? So all these open questions are going to get them really, really talking. Um, hopefully, we want to get them to have verbal diarrhea. So they just th throw up and vomit every single thing, all the information, so that we have more data to drill down on for what it is that they're aiming for. So let's say the customer, let me use another example. Let's say the customer answers all these questions. You know, what kind of results are you looking for? How can I help you today? Blah, blah, blah. So using another scenario, if uh, the customer says that they want to buy a camera because they're thinking of becoming a wedding video vendor and they want to shoot videos in 4K resolution, then of course, if you ask all these questions, you now know the kinds of cameras that you can show. I mean, obviously, if you don't have a camera that records in 4K, uh, if you have cameras that record in 4K or some other resolution, then, I mean, basically, when you ask these questions, you now know what to show them. 
Also, when you're very clear about what his needs are, what their needs are, you can narrow uh, it narrows down the room for conflict in the future after the person buys uh, the camera. Now, these questions are important because sometimes, and I've seen this happen because I was in OK Japan myself in uh, Victoria Island. Uh, OK Japan is um, a famous, uh, well, famous among photographers anyway, a famous, um, what would I call him? Well, he, he sells audiovisual equipment, photographers, uh, sorry, uh, photography cameras, video cameras, lighting, um, all kinds of things. And somebody walked in saying that they wanted a correct camera. Now, it's possible that for most of us, you sell cameras, somebody walks in and says, I want the correct camera. You say, ah, no problem, I can hook you up. I have the Nikon, blah, 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 that is that, 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 that. But you're not asking any questions. The person just said, I want the correct camera. How do you know what the correct camera is? Or for those of you who are uh, foreigners listening to the show, when a Nigerian says, I want the correct, blah, 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 basically they mean uh, top of the line or most sophisticated. So that's what it means. Uh -huh. So the guy says, I want the correct camera. Or a person says, uh, hey, bros, how you doing? Give me the best camera that you have in the market now. But you're not asking any questions about what the best camera is. I mean, these are opportunities where quarrel comes up. You give him the best camera, he goes out, it's not suited to what it is that he wanted. And of course, he's going to come back and start shouting up and down that you just, you just bought him, you just took his money and you didn't give him a correct camera. Or they say, what is the latest XYZ camera brand? I mean, these are things that happen all the time. I'm in a camera store and then somebody comes and says, uh, hey, give me the latest uh, Canon, uh, Canon camera. You need to ask questions. Um, you need to ask questions. Um, what are you using it for? What kind of thing are you going to be shooting? What kind of results do you need? You know, stuff like that. This is how you limit um, quarrels uh, in the future. So in this kind of situation, if you make uh, recommendations without asking further questions, don't be surprised when the person comes back later on and starts shouting up and down, shouting at your staff, saying that they collected, you know, 500K from him, they collected uh, 1 million, and the camera doesn't even record 4K video. Now, what kind of rubbish is that? How can you say that this is the top of the line camera? How can you say that this is the best? How can you say this is the correct camera? Uh, it doesn't even have 4K. Are you guys serious? Do you even know anything about photo, um, about photography cameras? You know, so that's where these sorts of um, blow-ups happen. So it's not that they're being difficult, but the fault in this case lies with you because you didn't ask the right questions to begin with and you sold them equipment that wasn't fit for the unique purpose that they had in mind. So now that we have discussed how to figure out their need, um, we also have to get feedback that we understand correctly and the process is the same. Asking more open-ended questions. Is there anything I missed uh, apart from wedding videos, apart from XYZ? Is there anything else that you're looking for in the camera? So if I understand you correctly, the most important thing you want to achieve is AB3. Uh, sorry, ABC and 123. But what about XYZ? Is that important to you in the camera? I mean, you have to ask all these questions. Now, um, this is a point where you ask questions like this and the customer says, oh, yes, you're correct about recording videos or you're correct about this. But I'm also hoping that the camera can do this, this, this and that. Now, all that, uh, but I was hoping or maybe or possibly and all whatnot. This is where quarrel arises in the future because you didn't tease out all the buts, the maybes and the possibly. So the more information that you have, the better your product or service recommendation is going to be. And if your recommendation is on the spot, and you're not going to have a difficult customer at the end of the day, um, except when you're dealing with people who don't have home training. And, uh, well, I don't know what to do when it comes to people who have uh, no home training. So I'm not going to say anything about those, those guys. Now, let's reduce our chances of having difficult customers by making sure we ask all the right questions in the beginning. So we also have to remember, you're the professional. You're the one who knows what's up. 
as a photographer, you're the one that knows photography. The bride and the groom don't. Well, except if that's their professional stuff. And as the wedding planner, you're the one that is uh, that is the pro. You're the one who knows whether uh, Egyptian satin works well with uh, Nigerian lace or whatever. And you're the one who knows crowd control and where the best place to set up the catering points are and stuff like that. You, you know, because the bride says set up the catering point here, you don't just go ahead and do it. You're the professional. So explore the implications with the choices they have made so far uh, because there are lots of things that the customer is not aware of um, from a professional point of view. So um, back to the camera thing. So if you say, like I've seen someone say in Oki Japan's shop, like, ah, Oga, sure you know that if you take this camera because of this capability and this capability, but you run it for more than 45 minutes, you know that the battery will die. Sure you know, you know. And I've seen something like that said in Oki Japan shop. And um, when you do that, it's really beautiful to see the light bulbs go off in front of the um, customer's mind. And this is the point where they now expand their priorities and say, okay, well, maybe it doesn't have to be 4K, Sha. And maybe it doesn't have to be one of these newer ones. Maybe give me one of the older ones that doesn't record 4K, but it records up to this capability. But then the battery can last up to 1 hour, 30 minutes. So now... If you do that, you're going to limit the situation where the person comes back into your shop and then the person starts shouting at you and the staff that, look, you guys sold me a fake camera. You guys collected 1M from me and the battery is dying after 30 minutes. Now, what kind of rubbish is this? Now, what kind of uh, camera uh, camera sellers are you guys? In fact, I'll call police. I'll do this. I'll do this. I mean, you know how Nigerians can be. when they want to get difficult, threatening legal action and police and all that. So now that we have looked at a number of um, scenarios that can create difficult customers, now the most important question becomes, how do you handle the breakup? So first off, um, what I recommend, let's try and deal without bad blood. Let's try and make sure there's no acrimony. Uh, so we'll have a debrief session and uh, we'll have some customer service processes. We're trying to avoid acrimony here. Now the debrief is where you take responsibility and try and figure out what went wrong. You also try and get some insight to see what could have been done better. Uh, there's no point in repeating why that's important. Um, if this is your first time listening, check all the episodes that have customer service in the title. You'll see why the, uh, the debrief is important and why customer service um, processes and frameworks are important. Then uh, try and address some of the issues that have been raised. And then um, after issues have been raised, just fulfill the contract Fulfill the agreement like you would with any other customer. But now, this is the difference. Once you are done, unlike other customers, don't try and get cute with them. Don't try and get friendly. Don't try and do referrals or repeat business. Or don't try and nurture the relationship in any way. Because if this is a difficult customer, the goal here is to make sure we have enough information that this thing doesn't uh, happen with a, uh, with a different client. It's also possible that maybe these are the kind of people that don't have home training. Um, so we're trying to make sure that this thing doesn't happen again. And we're also uh, trying to avoid uh, burning bridges. And we're not supposed to try and pursue the relationship anymore. Because chances are if it was difficult before, there might be that hangover and there might be some difficulties uh, going on if you're still trying to get repeat business out of this kind of person. So I'm not saying it doesn't happen because there are situations where uh, it was crap the first time, but then the person becomes your chief promoter the second time round. So it does happen, but um, don't don't court the business. If the customer was that much of a headache, once you're done, you're done. Nothing about repeat business, nothing about relationships. Just um, let it go. Now, the reason why I said we shouldn't burn bridges is because you don't know how people might come in handy in the future. The person might be your bitter enemy today because of wedding photography. 
But later on in the future, when you guys are both politicians and you're in the same camp, you're in Labour Party, you're in APC, you're in PDP, or you're now a Democrat or a Republican, you know, the wedding was 20 years ago. Now you guys are much older and you, know, you might be political allies. You don't know who's going to be a useful resource tomorrow. So don't burn bridges. So, yeah, a simple approach. Oh, madam, I'm sorry about how things turned out. I'm going to take full responsibility to make sure that this thing never happens again. Hope you don't mind if I ask you a couple of questions. A couple of questions. So you get that permission, go into details, probe for more details, and you now know how it is that you're going to redress or finish this situation. And um, yeah, other question I just could ask, uh, when did you first realize you had a problem with the camera? What happened exactly? Apart from this issue, that issue, are there any other issues? So apart from wedding videos, did you try to use it for anything else? I mean, ask questions. If you have a no returns policy, then there might be nothing you can do. But if you look at it from this uh, uh, approach, the Nigerian approach, you know how we like to say, sorry, ma, sorry, or, uh, sorry, or ga, you know, stuff like that. So uh, with an apology and the Nigerian approach, you might be able to um, soothe um, some nerves. So, you know, the Nigerian thing, ah, sorry, ma, it won't happen again, you know, blah, blah, blah. You can soothe some nerves. So, um... Okay, okay, we've gone more than 30 minutes, so let me just start wrapping things up. But I can't overemphasize this, please. If the client has really caused you grief, then don't do any follow-up activities with them. As you fulfill and you wrap it up and you make sure that you guys don't quarrel, you don't involve police, you don't involve the law courts, then please, no follow-up. Don't call them for birthdays. No calling, no texting, no hello, how's the spouse, how's business, uh, how are the children, I mean... None of that. All these things will keep you top of mind and they might bring opportunities for you guys to do business again in the future. And um, you're not confident that it might turn out um, um, well this time around. So no follow-up. However, there are situations where they take the initiative and they reach out to you in the future. The options that you have, the availability card. Some people say, oh, sorry, sir, we're not available for that date. Can you call Okachuku and Sons Limited instead? They might be able to help you. For some people, that's too cowardly. Like, my wife doesn't like that approach. She believes in uh, biting things uh, head on. You could say I'm the more diplomatic one in the relationship. So, if you want to be more direct, you don't want to be a coward and you want to be assertive about, uh, sorry, assertive about it. You just say it as it is. So, thank you for calling, sir. Unfortunately, I'm not confident we can meet your needs because of how things turned out the last time. But I suggest you give some other businesses um, a try. And you know, just leave it like that. You know, that's assertive enough without uh, being... Um, rude or challenging it's just calling things out um, as it is but sometimes you're desperate you could use the cash and uh, so some people also approach um, a twofold um response so um okay well it's not a twofold response because there's my own option of making sure you ask all the questions and cover all the bases especially since you know exactly what happened the last time and you know the kind of um games that they can pull but then the second step the more popular one that i see most people do is to charge them well or charge better money as people like to say as in you really give them a fee that is going to make it worth the hassle so that yes you have sleepless nights but at the end of the day if normally you would walk away with 300k profit margin you walk away from this 500k profit margin you say well it was worth the hassle it was worth the stress it was worth the sleepless nights so at least with all this profit i can um take some money and go and blow steam at the club or whatever it is that you like to do so, in fact, I've come across some people who charge them an unreasonable price the second time around just so that they go away. And I know someone who doubled the price, but surprisingly, the person said, okay, I went ahead with it. And, well, he now knew a um, 
he now knew uh, the what's that word in economics? Is it um, is it flexibility, elasticity? Yeah. So he now knew about the price elasticity in his own business that he could um, go um, higher. So well, regardless of whatever options you choose and all the things we've discussed now, the most important thing is don't let yourself get down when these things happen. Don't get down on yourself. Don't get down on the business. Difficulties arise every once in a while. We can't be cordial with everyone. We can't be friends with everyone. These things happen. So take your um, business and relationship losses uh, Whenever they happen, you know, just take the loss. Then double down on the relationships that make sense. People that are nice and friendly and that bring in um, most uh, profit, uh, profits and the most fulfillment. Lean into those people. That's where you should invest most of your time and your effort and building relationships. So don't let anyone use their blues to ruin your reggae. And um, uh, as one of my business partners prayed after we had a terrible wedding. I mean, it was... I think they called them bridezillas also. In fact, at the time, I thought it was just me. But not until I ran to some other vendors later on and everybody was having a pity party and it turns out that she quarreled with absolutely everyone. So it was one of those bridezilla-type um, situations. And what the wedding planner said was, uh, may we never see this kind of customer again in Jesus' name. And then everybody said, amen. So that's our prayer. Uh, we shall be profitable in business. And uh, for... Um, the difficult clients who are difficult because they lack home training, in quotes, you know, may those customers uh, never cross um, our path. So let me leave it at that. So thanks for today's recording. Uh, sorry, I think this is the longest podcast recording that I have done so far. I will really have to get back on board with 10-minute uh, episodes. So thanks for your time and attention. I'll catch you guys at the next recording.